Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan got home from state marching band finals last night at about midnight, tried to start queuing for Dominaria, and unfortunately, I did not get the trophy in Dominaria. But... Our marching band won the state marching band championships, which is awesome. Indiana State Marching Band Champs. That's way more important of a win than getting day two of the arena open and Dom sealed, my friend. For sure, yeah. Thrilled for the kids and all the directors, all the parents, staff. Huge team effort. Marching band is a giant operation. Uh, Wish I could have gotten both trophies, but I decided (laughs) 2 a.m. that sleep was the better part of Valor and had opened six pools, none of which were very good, played two of them out to five, three finishes and decided that I needed sleep more than I needed a Dominaria sealed open qualifier. That makes me happy. I I saw your you messaged me at about one. We had planned to record at eight this morning. You messaged me about one in the morning. You were like, I'm still trying to queue. Can we record at nine? And I was like, oh, no. I was like, of course we can. But oh, no, because I do remember there was another time. I don't remember the time before or two times before where you were up until like four trying to queue. Yeah, I've been feeling under the weather, so it was not staying up that late tonight. Yeah, glad to hear it because we have a beast of a show to get through today. Yes, absolutely. We've got the oh, I didn't do my usual. I know. Intro. I know. Not just another episode of Lords of Limited or whatever. Not just another episode of Lords <laughs> of Limited. We've got the bro crash course. Yeah, bro. The Brothers War crash course. I mean, we were really excited. I do love to hear when, when people are like, y'all's excitement has gotten me so pumped up because it's genuine. You know, like we're just every time a new set rolls around, I'll be sad when that feeling goes away. But for now, that's not forced. You're not hearing us like have to pretend to be excited about the new set. Last week, we were super excited about the set. And I have to say with the full spoiler dropping, I'm just as excited, if not more so. Absolutely. The thing I want to know about Brothers War is how satisfied the Watsi employee that convinced everyone that the preview for this thing needed to be BRO. Like they just have to be very thrilled with themselves that the three digit code is bro. Absolutely. The other day on stream, we just had a big brainstorming session about podcast episode titles with bro in it. And I have to say, Chat came up with some really good ones. I think we're set for the next couple months. Wow, he's washed, folks. Crowdsourcing episode titles now. Sir, please. Wow. The man comes up with previews, comma, bro, and thinks he's a, a master now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, so we do have the Brothers War Crash Course episode for you today. If you've never joined us for preview season here on Lords of Limited, we do things a little bit differently. We do not do a card-by-card style set review show. If you want that, we will have a set review with me and Alex Nikolich, aka Quarter Calls from the Limited Level Ups podcast. He and I will be doing that on my stream this week. That'll be posted to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lords of Limited. That'll also be up in audio form on the Limited Level Ups podcast feed for you. So both of those pieces of content will be up for you this week. But here on the show, we're not going to be talking about each and every card. We have, in fact, graded each card separately. That will be available for you in a spreadsheet where you go to download the show. But we're going to talk about a lot of big picture stuff. Um, we're going to talk about you know, the stats of the creatures and the removal. We'll talk about all the set mechanics, what the archetype support looks like. And we'll look at some you know, mainstays of limited, life gain, mana fixing, sweepers, some stuff that gives us maybe a nice general picture of the format. Then we'll dive into some grades, but not every card, just the ones where Ben and I, having graded the card separately, have a difference of at least two gradations. You know, remember we we chatted about our grading scale a little bit last week, and I think we're really good in line this week of, you know, if Ben gave something a C plus, I gave it a C minus. That's two gradations difference. We're going to talk about that, hash it out, see if we can't come to a consensus or leave it up to, hey, we're just going to have to wait and see. And then my favorite part, we're going to get to the end of the episode and we'll rank the top three commons in each color and the top two uncommons in each color. Anything I missed there, Ben? 
No, you rattled it off like a pro. All right. Well, before we get into all of that good stuff, we have a few housekeeping things to take care of. First things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. Got a lot of sweet perks over at the Patreon page. Everybody who gives back to the show via the Patreon gets access to the Discord. It is the place to be for a new set. It's the place to be for limited tech support 24-7 in general, but a new set is the perfect time. Spoiler season, it is just popping off. Can't wait for folks to be posting pictures of their sealed pools from their LGSs during the paper pre-release, and then once it goes live online, you can bet that it's just going to be a ton of people talking about card evaluation, big picture stuff, archetype stuff, and then getting into the nitty gritty of decks and drafts and all that good stuff. So that's a really fantastic place to be. As you move up the reward tiers on Patreon, you get access to a bunch of different things, our show notes in advance of the show, the episode a day earlier than the rest of the public gets access to the show, and moving up all the way to the top of the reward tiers, you get access to monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, please head on over to the Patreon page for that. And of course, we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. And this week, we're welcoming Luke, Clarice, Chris, Pips, Kevin, Michael, Joey, Richard, Henry, and Calvin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Those folks know what's up. They're getting in on the beginning of a new set, and you should be too. Show is also brought to you by TCG Player. And one of the big things we're shouting out is the TCG Player subscription, which you can get for $6.99 a month. It offers you free shipping and tracking on all your orders from TCG Player, as well as extra bonus bucks, which are essentially store credit on purchases you make. And most importantly, CFB Pro articles. So if you used to have a CFB Pro subscription, CFB Pro subscriptions have ended and migrated over to this TCG Player subscription. They're still not available internationally, but if you live in the United States, you can get a TCG Player subscription and still get access to all that sweet, sweet CFB Pro content that pros, me, Ethan, Alex, right every week. We're going to be coming out with articles on Brothers War. So now's the perfect time to get in on a TCG Player subscription as well. For anything that you do, whether it's that or ordering some sealed product from the TCG Player website, please use our affiliate link, lordsoflimited.com slash TCG Player. Or if you can't remember that, go to our lordsoflimited.com website, click support, and then you can navigate to our affiliate link that way. One last thing we want to tease out. We are dropping some new merch over at our T Public store. We have a sweet new shirt. If you're feeling mad and you want to show everybody, now you can. <laughs> you can become a founding member of Magicians Against Data. We have a really cool new design shirt courtesy of our friend Josh, aka Dingus Egg, who has done a lot of our emotes on our Twitch channel. Um, it's a really cool design. It's got the Mad logo on the front, Lord's Limited logo on the back. It's really sweet. T Public runs awesome sales about twice a month. I think there's one currently running right now. So you can head on over there to lordsoflimited.com slash merch and check out that shirt. That's a great little holiday gift for your fellow MAD members. Yeah, I'm just picturing the Arrested Development. There are dozens of us meme <laughs> that are going to be running around supporting me in my quest to be a magician against data. But if you feel similar to me and you're tired of 17 lands win rate stats being quoted at you, <laughs> hop on and get a MAD shirt. All right. Speaking of stats, Ben, it's like, I don't want stats quoted at me, but <laughs> we are going to quote some stats at you. We're going to quote some stats at you, starting off with Stats Baby, the section of the crash course here. So we're going to look at creatures, power and toughness, creatures, mana value, and how that relates to the removal mana value and what removal hits in the format. And of course, there's always a wrench thrown in. Sometimes it's, you know, sagas that flip into creatures. How are we going to count those? This time around, there are 11 prototype creatures that common or uncommon. And I should say, 
for basically everything except for the sweepers section of the show, all of the things we're talking about are commons and uncommons. We're not looking at any rares or mythics for this episode. Um, so there were 11 prototype creatures. These are the creatures that have, you know, there's a, a large colorless cost for a large creature. And then you can also pay a smaller, it's sort of the reverse kicker, a smaller colored cost. Um, and then that'll give you a smaller creature, but with the same you know text box for that creature. So I basically just counted those all twice. That was my take on how to do that. I didn't know Ooh, how to do that. So I just, count, just counted them twice. So there are actually 102 total creatures at common or uncommon. But for a lot of these stats, we'll actually be counting it as 113 total creatures to double count those prototype creatures. Feel good about that? Yeah, I'm into it. Okay, so the average creature power and toughness is 2.66 and 2.93, which is on the larger side, unsurprisingly, with a lot of these large prototype creatures, I think, bumping things up a little bit. To give you a sense, in Dominaria United, that was 2.4 slash 2.77. So getting about a 0.2 to 0.25 bump up for each of those points. Yeah, and that seems like a pretty noticeable size up. And I think based on exactly what you said, we're going to see some large machines running around. Mm -hmm. The average removal mana value is going to be 2.56 in Brothers War, almost exactly the same as Dominaria United, which was 2.58. And we had some very efficient removal in Dominaria United. So I'm excited to see that likely continue in Brothers War. And already that just lets me know something as we as we're going to look here for creature mana value in Brothers War, it's 3.6. In DMU, it was a little lower in 3.23. So you're seeing creatures are bigger on average, creatures cost more on average, but the removal costs on average the same as it was in DMU. So removal should, in theory, be, you know, if you thought DMU removal was efficient, it's going to be slightly even more efficient in this format. Yeah, I think when your opponent slams a like non-prototyped giant artifact and you're able to efficiently interact with that, it's going to be a huge boost for you. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I rated a lot of those highly, but it could just feel really bad if the removal is so good to like, you know, you're working on getting all your power stones and you drop that big 10-10 reach trampler and your opponent just goes, cool, disenchant. You're like, mm. oh, what, what have I done with my, my life in this game? Um, so we'll look at what percentage or number does specific removal hit of the 113 as we're sort of in quotes, 113 total creatures at common or uncommon. So looking at X1s, there's only one thing in particular that hates on X1s, and that's gruesome realization. It's an uncommon one black, black sorcery, choose one, you draw two cards and you lose two life, or creatures your opponent's control get minus one, minus one until end of turn. There's also a lot of random one ones floating around, either one ones that ETB and replace themselves in some way, or just the one one soldier artifact tokens. And those can also be other ways that hate on one toughness creatures. Yes, for sure. Well, and gruesome realization is going to be sweeping through those one one soldier tokens that your opponent creates. Yes, for sure. So we've got 30 creatures total with toughness one, or about 27% of the total creatures represented. That is high. They keep creeping up right like i feel like we were you know when we started it was sort of like high teens out of 100 and then oh creeping into the 20s okay 30 total it's kind of wild that is a wild stat yeah moving on to x2s we've got a classic we've got disfigure this is black for an instant target creature gets minus two minus two until end of turn we've got 20 creatures with toughness two bringing us up to 50 total of the creatures or 44 percent of the creatures overall that disfigure is going to hit and that's usually what we see it's it's usually a little higher i would say usually about closer to 50% um, of the creatures that this, whatever it is, the frostbite, the shock, disfigure, whatever it is. And it varies from set to set how efficient or effective it is. Do you have a sense right now of what your take on how good disfigure is? 
I would say fine currently. I'm not yeah. super hot about it. I really want removal to deal with big things or I want to have a reason to want to figure like maybe I'm aggressive and I really want to be efficient. I mean, I, I can't imagine I'm cutting it, but I'm also not planning to be first picking it at the moment. And also, I think a notable thing here is that we often have multiple, you know, three, four things that specifically target two toughness, three toughness, four toughness. That's not really the case here. There's about one to two of these spells will be rattling off and the rest of the removal spells largely deal with things regardless of their size. Yeah, one of the most interesting things to me that I didn't really note until I was done was when I was doing my top commons, I didn't have a lot of removal in my top commons, but I was also thinking, man, there's just not a lot of good removal at common. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We'll, we'll talk about that when we get to removal overall. And we should note that in the spreadsheet where you can see all of our grades for each of the commons and uncommons, we also have a tab there for combat tricks to give you a sense of all the sort of things you should be thinking about at instant speed, and also a tab where you can look at all of the things we counted as removal. So moving on to X3s, we've got two spells that deal with three toughness in particular. First is Deadly Repost, one on a white for an instant. It deals three damage to target tapped creature and you gain two life. That one's kind of meh. This next one, an absolute banger. Yeah. Excavation explosion, pun not intended. Uh, two in a red for a sorcery deals three damage to any target. Create a tapped power stone token. This reminds me of, I think it was called Igneous Inspiration from Strix. It was three in a red sorcery, deal three to any target and then learn. So this learns, it just makes a Power Stone token instead of learning. Yeah, free mana. That sounds awesome. Sign me up. I think Excavation Explosion is busted. That brings us to 28 creatures with Toughness 3, or 78 total, or 69%. Nice. Oh, dear. <laughs> at least you're not a middle schooler, so I don't have to yell at you. <laughs> I'm going to the principal's office now, folks. Sorry. Moving on to X4s. We've got Obliterating Bolt. One in red for a sorcery. Deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die this turn exile it instead. So we've got 16 total creatures with toughness four, bringing us up to 83% of the creatures in the format that Obliterating Bolt is going to hit. That brings us up to X5s. One card in particular to look at, Unleash Shell. This is three red red for an instant. At common, it deals five damage to target creature or planeswalker and two damage to that permanence controller. There are 11 creatures with toughness five, bringing us up to 105 total or 93%. And then that takes us to our last category, which is X6s or greater and there are lots of big machines running around but there's also a fair amount of spells that are going to kill things regardless of their size yeah and we'll see that as we get to the removal in general one last thing we wanted to look at was go for the throat which is one in a black for an instant and uncommon destroy target non-artifact creature well just how many non-artifact creatures are there at common or uncommon there's 69 of 102 total creatures or 68 percent so about two-thirds are going to get got by go for the throat yeah, I think it's going to be a good card. You're always going to be playing it. Agree. All right, moving on to the removal. So just some stuff about the removal in general. There are 17 removal spells at common or uncommon. Dominaria United had 19 in comparison, so two less overall. On average, the removal spells are going to be costing 2.56. And again, that's about exactly the same as Dominaria United and looking pretty efficient compared to the average mana value of the creatures that you're going to be spending to cast your creatures. Absolutely. There are 11 at common, just like in DMU, and six at uncommon. DMU had eight. A few noteworthy things about removal. We have our usual fare of black and red having the bulk. We have a good spread as well with white getting two aura-based removal spells plus a few others. We saw that deadly repost of deal three to a tapped creature. Blue gets an aura-based removal spell to like keep a thing tapped and it has an effectively kicker 
It's like Bubble Snare from uh, Zendikar Rising. And a totally lost variant, a thing that puts it on top or bottom of its owner's library. And green gets a fight spell at both common and uncommon. Yeah, and you mentioned this earlier, but Disfigure's really the only kill a small thing type removal spell. So red's smallest damage spell is going to be that deal three excavation explosion that makes a power stone. And then just to clarify what we counted as removal, you can see in the spreadsheet what we didn't count as removal. You know, I think these are going to be all you know fine to main deckable cards, but don't quite know and didn't want to count them as removal. So artifact hate, white, red, and green all have spells, disenchant, raise to the ground, and shoot down respectively in those colors. I actually think these are going to be a little closer to removal than not. I'm pretty happily at this point main decking the first copy of disenchant and shoot down, both of which destroy artifacts or enchantments. And I think raise to the ground a little less so only targeting artifacts because there are some sweet enchantments running around. But I I think I would not be shocked if you happily main decked two copies of this type of thing. It's possible. Yeah, I have no way to know. I'm much happier about disenchant as two mana instant speed versus shoot down, which is four mana and sorcery. But we're going to talk about that when we get to our grading differences. Uh, There are three counter spells in blue, Defabricate, Scatter Ray, and Urza's Rebuff. I think Scatter Ray is quite good. We'll talk about that in our top commons. Um, Defabricate and Urza's Rebuff are sort of whatever. And then some non-removal interaction that we didn't count, but I just wanted to shout out. Blue gets a really sweet spell here in Involuntary Cooldown. It's three and a blue for a sorcery. Tap up to two target artifacts and or creatures. Put two stun counters on each of them. Wait, are we not arguing about this card? I was so ready to throw down with you. I love this card. Yeah, I, I like this card too. I think I actually gave, I think you gave it a like synergy or build around grade or something. I just straight up gave it a good grade. Wow. Ethan coming around on tap down effects. My guy, this is w- okay. First of all, <laughs> You want to start fighting now? We can start fighting now. Impede momentum was not good, first of all, so point for me. Second of all, <laughs> this keeps a, this keeps two things tapped for three of your attack steps. This is incredible. That was genuine rage. You just heard in <laughs> Ethan's voice. That was hilarious. It's just like, I feel like you're like my a significant other. Just like Ben knows. He's like, you know, I'd like to get Ethan angry. I can, I can get him. I can push his buttons in five words or less. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> We've also got a bounce spell in Machine over matter. This is one in a blue for an instant. Costs one less to cast if you control an artifact creature and says return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. And we have an active treason variant in sibling rivalry. Three in a red for a sorcery. Gain control of target artifact or creature until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. Create a tapped power stone token. So you got those nine additional ways to interact that I didn't quite line up in the removal category. Um, then we've got also got the combat tricks that you outlined in the spreadsheet as well, but those are not counted towards our 17 removal spells. Yeah, so I want to amend what I said earlier. I was saying that I, there wasn't as much removal. I think that's not what I meant to say. I think what I meant to say was that I got done doing my top commons and there wasn't a lot of removal in my top commons, but I was thinking that removal was important. <laughs> so I thought it was weird that I didn't. <laughs> like I wanted to do sweet things and cast large monsters more than I wanted to interact with my opponent. But I remember thinking after the spoiler, huh, removal is probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I you know made some concessions in that respect to my top commons. Like I don't usually like to put the pacifism variant in there, but thought it was important. But also it's going to be interesting, like do the white and blue enchantment based removal spells get a knock? And if so, how significant of a knock, the more people are main decking disenchant and shoot down, you know? Right. That's why I don't, I mean, spoilers, but I don't have the white pacifism effect in my top commons for that reason. Yeah, but you have the blue one. So like you can't, you know, you you can't have it both ways, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Guilty. 
<laughs> All right, that takes us on to checking out our keyword and archetype support. So if you missed last week's episode, uh, we went over all the new and returning mechanics. So we're not going to do that again here. But we do want to check out how supported each of these mechanics are. The first one is prototype. That's sort of the reverse kicker where you have two different casting costs for creatures and you get different stats depending on how much mana you spend. So there's 11 cards in total with prototype. There's a cycle of commons with one of each color. And there's six uncommons, mostly in blue and green with one white and one red making an appearance as well. But there's nothing that really rewards you specifically for doing anything with prototype. Right. I mean, I guess power stones reward you for doing stuff with prototype, right? But nothing that's like, if you cast a thing, right, specifically. And I think also reanimate is kind of a a subtle way to interact with prototype as well. Yes, absolutely. But I think mostly this is its own reward in having a creature that's costed at two different points so that you can Mm -hmm. do whatever you need to, depending on what the game is dictating for you. Next up, we have power stones, which I know that here on Lords of Limited, we are stands for (laughs) 18 cards total that make power stones. They're spread out across all five colors with two colorless and two multicolored. Seems that teamer, that's red, blue, and green, have the premium commons, black as well, white with the least good, that's power stone engineer, the one on a white 2-1 dies into a power stone token. And again, there aren't cards that specifically pay you off for making power stones, except all of the mana sinks and colorless cards and giant monsters there are for you to use them for. Yeah, I don't know. There's been some talk in the Lords of Limited Discord about power stones maybe not being quite as good as you and I thought they were last week. That is very difficult for me to believe. My plan going into the format is to assume that power stones are busted until proven otherwise. And I also think one of the things that I would like to shout out that we're kind of going to get into a little bit here is that we have the draft archetypes outlined, but there's not a ton of support for the two color draft archetypes. So I think power stones are a way to let you do something powerful, pun not intended again, but to also like blur the colors together and not have to commit to an archetype too soon. Like if you know you are doing power stone things, you get to be colorless, you get to bob and weave, and then you get to decide on your colors later in the draft. And you get to, as you said, glue multiple archetypes together. So not only delay your decision of what archetype you settle into, but also maybe tie a couple of pieces together. Yeah. And I think the things that make power stones seem to be premium commons for me. So it could differ depending on how easy or difficult it is to get power stones. But I just generally assume you're going to be able to get the cards that make power stones early in the format. Yeah. All right, that takes us on to Unearth, which is our next mechanic. There's 12 cards with Unearth, mostly in red and white. So there's three white, four red, one blue, two black, one green, one colorless. So a smattering spread around. But again, this is the red white mechanic. There's one card that cares about Unearth, kind of an interesting build around ish enchantment. This is Meticulous Excavation. It's white for an enchantment, two and a white return target permanent you control to its owner's hand. If it has Unearth, instead exile it, then return that card to its owner's hand. Activate only during your turn. What do you think about this? I mean, we're going to argue about this i think this card is terrible but the the joke here is that you get to unearth your creature maybe attack with it and then maybe they take the damage or if you think they're gonna trade and you want to rebuy your creature you can just activate this on it rebuy it back to your hand and then it doesn't you know when it dies it won't go to exile it'll go to your graveyard once you recast it okay i want to talk about this now while we're just on the card in general and then we can just scratch this off the arguing you give us a d minus i give us a build around c so here's my case for this card i agree that it is not good but i want to see if i can interest you in what i'm picturing here okay so you get some power stones Mm -hmm. you can activate the ability for single white once you get some power stones you can get some other power stones to help pay those unearth costs out of the graveyard so i just picture like this giant mana engine where you're constantly looping your unearth creatures 
to do whatever you need. Like you're essentially never running out of creatures because you have so much mana that you can keep unearthing and meticulously excavating things back. I just really want to build that engine and build a meticulous excavation deck. It's just hard for me to imagine that that like if you have that many power stones and this is the best thing you can do with that mana, that's a really tough sell for me. Oh, you're not dreaming big enough. I want to do so many things with so many power stone tokens. <laughs> okay. I mean, you, look, this is see the problem with this card is that you will give it this grade. I will give it a D minus. I will bet so much money that I play with this card more than you in the lifetime of the format. I think that is likely to be true. So I'm going to decline your bet. And I agree <laughs> that this card is not good, but okay. I have big plans for it. And as we shouted out last week, there is also a card that bins our Artifacts. It's a six mana four four called Disciples of Gix. Um, and when it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for up to three artifacts and put them into your graveyard. So that's another sort of synergy piece with Unearth. For sure. That takes us on to the archetype support. Soldiers is ostensibly what Blue White is doing, but it seems to be just bled all over. <laughs> all five colors, right? So there's 26 soldiers in total, seven in white, four in blue, which are certainly the most, but then two black, three red, four green, three multicolored, three colorless. It doesn't seem like a super focused slash supported theme based on blue white and i gotta say i like your last point here i'm more excited about you know we have those one one artifact creature soldier tokens but I, I, honestly i feel like them being artifacts is going to be way more relevant than them being soldiers right so the blue white gold on common is yoshin tactician this is two white blue for a three four it's a soldier lord that says other soldiers you control get plus one plus one that's far and away the biggest payoff the rest of them are highly mediocre so there's like yes blue white might be soldiers but there's not a lot of benefit you get for being blue white soldiers that's what i think as well yeah there's like you know a blue two mana two one that lets you launch other soldiers into the air there's aeronaut cavalry as a flyer that comes into play and puts a counter on another soldier you control but like i I just don't see that it's going to matter that much maybe at rare or mythic it does but not currently at common or uncommon if you do get two Yoshin tacticians, like then you're talking like if you get two on the battlefield and all your soldiers are getting plus two plus two, but it's just so narrow. And I think we're going to keep seeing this with all these color pairs. That was my impression going through the the previews was that, yes, there are these color pairs. Yes, they're seated cards for the color pairs, but there's not a ton of cards that are seated for each color pair. Right. And I think that's good news for at least for, for, for you and me. And I think our listeners like this is going to be. In theory, I think if that's true, a much more like cooking versus following a recipe kind of format where you've got these quote unquote signposts and maybe one in every 10 drafts, you have a draft where it's like clear this one color pair is open, you get multiple copies of its signpost on common, etc. But I think a lot more is going to be like, okay, what's the, what little engine can I build? What micro synergies am I seeing? That kind of thing. Well, to me, the big divide I see is you're either going to be a power stone deck or you're not. But the benefit of the Power Stone decks is that you get lots of different decks to choose from. Whereas if you're not a Power Stone deck, you're going to have to be pretty focused on blue white soldiers without caring about Power Stones. And you're going to have to figure that out fairly early in the draft, I think. I agree. Uh, That brings us on to Artifacts Entering the Battlefield, which is in green white. And the green white signpost we talked about last week, that's the white green 1-1. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you can put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. But we didn't get to talk about the official Lords of Limited preview card. Yeah, we've got Sarah the Steelseeker. This is a good one. One and a green for a one-two. 
Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you may reveal it and put it in your hand. If you don't put the card in your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. Hello. So you get to draw lands or surveil things into your graveyard. That's awesome. And it's not non-token. So anytime you make a power stone, this is triggering. Yeah. I think, think Saren, Steel Seeker is great. There's also Thopter Architect, which is the three and a white two, three. At Uncommon, whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gains flying until end of turn. And I think, you know, last week you were skeptical of this, and I think I've joined you in the skeptical camp at this just being a little too undercosted. The one thing I have thought about is there's that card that makes four white 1-1 one, one artifact soldier creature tokens. So maybe if you're pooping out a bunch of artifact tokens, like you jump your whole team in the air, I could see it maybe doing work, but I still ultimately agree. It's pretty clunky. That's like two bad tastes that taste great together. Like, I don't like either of those cards, but yeah, maybe together they're good. All right, that takes us on to Red Black Sacrifice. There are only four repeatable sacrifice outlets in the whole format, and they are all in Red Black. First up is Thraxademon. This is one in a black for a 2-2. You can pay three tap, sacrifice another creature or artifact, and you draw a card. There's Penragon Strongbull, two in a red for a 2-3 at common. You can pay one to sack an artifact to give Penragon Strongbull plus and plus one until end of turn and deal one damage to each opponent. There's Junkyard Genius. This is the black, red, gold uncommon. It's one black, red for a 2-2. When it ETBs, you create a tapped Power Stone token, and you can pay one black, red to sacrifice another creature artifact until end of turn. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus O and gain Menace and Haste. And the last one here, I think I'm going to jump ahead as well, and we're going to argue about this card. It's Transmogrant Altar, three mana for an artifact at Uncommon. You can pay black, tap, sack a creature, add three colorless mana, or pay two, tap, sack a creature, create a three, three colorless zombie artifact creature token, activate only as a sorcery. You got to sell me on this. I gave this a Synergy C generously. I think I brought this grade up. You gave this a build around B. I love this card. Build around B might be hot, but there's not good sacrifice payoffs. And I do think the red active treason is insane. So I think if you can pick up the good sacrifice outlets, you're going to get the red active treasons. And I, that just seems like an awesome deck to me, like sacrifice outlets, plus the active treason that makes a power stone that's going to give you mana to do all the other stuff. Because so much of the choking point on that style of like wombo combo is having enough mana to do all the things that you want to do. And I think power stones help solve that problem so much. Yeah, I just don't think this payoff is that good. Like the active treason, kill your opponent thing get your own three three after smacking them in the face with their seven six machine monster yeah that almost makes up for the fact that you paid three mana for this and it did nothing oh you're such a negative nancy card evaluator all right next up we're going to look at mana value three or less which is in white black there's only five cards that care about this but they're all pretty darn good i was very impressed the white black signpost on common is three white black for a three two and an etbs you return a creature with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield and it buffs all of your creatures with mana value three or less, uh, plus one, plus O. Oh. I think the white, black mana value three or less deck looks interesting to me. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I agree. The deck does oh look pretty good. My God. Okay. All right. Next up, we've got green, black creature cards in graveyard. And again, there's only six cards that care about this, ranging from highly medium to absolutely premium in the gold uncommon. So the green, black, gold uncommon is Skyfisher Spider. This is two black green for a three through with reach. When it ETBs, you can sacrifice another creature. When you do destroy target non-land permanent when it dies you can gain one life for each creature card in your graveyard if you do you exile skyfish spider from your graveyard so that is a huge reason to be black green but there are some other good ones as well most importantly there's a lot of ways to self-mill and rebuy things from the graveyard so the self-mill definitely fuels this taking things out of the graveyard there's a little bit of tension there but this does look 
fairly supported. But again, it's just a narrow subset of cards that support these two color archetypes. Right. Next up is blue black, which cares about drawing your second card each turn. And there's only three good cards that care about this. And honestly, good feels like it's in quotes. Like I think the best of these is gurgling anointer, tuna black one, three flyer at uncommon. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. And when it dies, you return another target creature card with mana value less than or equal to its power from your graveyard to the battlefield. That card is a doozy. Yeah, that's the LR preview card, and it has been impressive. We talked about Thopter Mechanic last week. That's the 2-1 that gets bigger as you draw your second card. I do like the blue-black gold uncommon quite a bit. This is Evangel of Synthesis. Blue-black for a 2-3 when it ETBs, you draw a card, then discard a card. As long as you've drawn two or more cards this turn, it gets plus one plus O and Menace. It does look like this is going to be some sort of a tempo aggro deck with trying to draw cards as well. Yeah. I think that's fair. Moving on to non-creature spells in blue-red. Again, continuing the trend of like some good cards, but not a lot of them. So we've got the gold uncommon third path iconoclast, which is blue-red for a 2-2, which poops out some 1-1 artifact creature tokens as you cast non-creature spells. That one's insane. There's also a very good artifact payoff. This is levitating statue, two mana with flying. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you put a plus one plus one counter on levitating statue, and then you can pay two mana to animate it and have it become a one one construct artifact creature token until end of turn. Wow, a very good uncommon, he says, already just sort of swaying the jury towards his opinion. Wait, are you low on this? I am a little low on this, yeah. I mean, I don't love that it's an artifact, but that's a good payoff. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm just like not... You already are going to be doing things that don't affect the board to make power stones. So I'm not into things that don't affect the board that want power stones. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's my, I'm just like, I could definitely, I love to spin wheels. So, you know, I could be like, let's play a little no rush magic. No one attacks until turn six. But (laughs) I don't think you get to make that agreement with your opponent, you know? Yeah, Uh, there's two other good cards as well. There's Monastery Swift Spear at Uncommon, which is a one, two with prowess and haste. And then there's Wing Commando, two and a blue for a two, two with flying prowess. Moving on to some non-archetype things, just some limited landscape stuff in general. First up is Fixing. And there's not a ton here. This is pretty unusual. We have Evolving Wilds at common. That's land that you can tap, sacrifice, search for a basic land. It comes into play tapped, and then you shuffle. What else we got? We have Sidinal Stall Alert, which is pretty clunky, though. I did see some uh, some little inklings slash trollings about this being Jasper Sentinel. This is uh, green for a 1-1, and you can tap it and tap an untapped artifact or creature you control to add one mana of any color. So in theory, this plus a Power Stone turns into like Birds of Paradise, but like by the time you assemble this plus Power Stone, I just think it's a little too late and this is not going to be worth a card. I don't know. I'm kind of in for Jasper Sentinel. I don't <laughs> love it, but I don't hate it. Okay, okay. I can see that guy doing work. This next card, I am certain, is going yes, to do work. Yes, this yes, yes. Energy Refractor, two mana for an artifact when ETBs draw a card and then you can pay two to add one mana of any color, which people were like, well, Prophetic Prism at home. Ha, 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 ha. But I think Prophetic Prism is Energy Refractor at home, at least in the context of this format. I think this card is going to be bonkers, especially considering how few ways there are to fix your mana. Like if you're making any reasonable amount of power stones, Energy Refractor is just insane for you because it's going to let you splash whatever you want to splash. I mean... I'm calling it, this is clearly the golden egg of this format. Clearly, but I I also think it's just bonkers. Like it's going to be a B or a B plus 
it's a very high pick for any deck that's doing anything with power stones. Totally agree. And lastly, we have Bushwhack, which is single green for a sorcery. Choose one, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle, or target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. And and that's it. Like that's kind of that's slim pickings there for fixing. So I think that that even more so makes energy refractor a high pick. Well, and also just because there isn't some, Sentinel Stoutwort is going to have to get the job done sometimes, I think. I'm not I'm not sold on that. Like <laughs> I don't think like just because fixing is scarce, it makes Sentinel Stalwart worth a card. I'm not ready to to call that yet. Sure. I mean, but wouldn't you be excited about Birds of Paradise, assuming you can make a power stone? But you're not making a power stone until like generally turn three at the earliest. So that means it's not Birds of Paradise until turn four. Yeah, that I'm that's why I'm not excited about it. That's fair. I'm I'm still moderately excited about that. Don't don't let me bring you down just yet. That takes us on to incidental life gain, which is our next category. There's 14 cards that provide incidental life gain. It honestly doesn't seem like a huge deal to me here at all. There are a few cards that I want to shout out. First is Boulder Branch Golem, seven mana for a six five. It's got prototype for three and a green and comes in as a three three. And when it ETBs, you gain life equal to its power. Honey Mammoth, let's go. Yeah, that card's gas. We talked last week about Phalagi Excavation. That's the five mana sorcery in green that makes three tapped power stone tokens and gains you three life. And then we got to talk about Moment of Defiance because this is one of those cards. Spoiler alert, folks. So I graded my cards after Ben. And a lot of the cards that I graded lower than him, I had even lower than you'll see in the spreadsheet. But what happened was I graded them low, cheated, <laughs> looked at Ben's grade, and then thought about why he graded it high. And most of the time I was like, oh, I get it. Let me bring my grade up, but not so high that we won't argue about it, but high enough that it's not so embarrassing for me. And this was one of those cards. Moment of Defiance, two in a black instant. Target creature gets plus two, plus one, and gains lifelink until end of turn. Draw a card. Yeah, this card just seems absolutely bonkers to me. I mean, close to Majestic Metamorphosis or whatever, and it's going to be a little harder to win the combat with it, but the benefit of winning the combat with it is that you also get the lifelink. If you ever stick Moment of Defiance, and win the combat with it. It's just a gigantic swing in the game. Yeah, it's massive. And I so I saw this, I was like, oh, this is overcosted. Yeah, it draws a card, whatever. And then I saw your high grade. I was like, what am I missing? And then I was like, oh, I'm missing that this is Majestic Metamorphosis. Of course, this is great. Yeah, well, and also you're going to be gaining a minimum of four life. Like if you do this to a two drop, mm-hmm. but like going up from there and then imagine winning a combat with this with one of your eight eight artifacts right you're gaining 10 life drawing a card killing your opponent's thing like right but like the the very scary thing or the very cool thing i think is that you know on turn three you attack your two two into their two two and you have three open mana one of them's a swamp your opponent has to be like oh no like can your opponent ever block i mean they kind of have to because you're going to get them with it eventually like this card seems absurd to me yeah i think it's very very good That's going to bring us on to sweepers. There's a lot of sort of like pseudo sweepers, mini sweepers. There's really only one here that we want to shout out, which is Urza's Silex. Three mana for a legendary artifact at Mythic. Play two white white, tap it to exile it, and each player chooses six lands they control. Destroy all other permanents, activate only as a sorcery. And when it's put into exile from the battlefield, you can pay two. And if you do, you search your library for a Planeswalker card. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. You should be so lucky. Oh, my God. The first time that happens to me, I'm going to be beyond tilted. <laughs> um, that's like the the real only true sweeper. And even that, like three mana to play it, four mana to tap it. Like, it's just tough to tough to sell me on it. And Because a lot of the benefits of sweepers is like, you know, you you build your deck around it in a way of having like, you know, 
other permanents like artifacts or enchantments. Well, this just blows those up too. Right. The other one that is noteworthy is Fade from History. 2GG for a sorcery. Each player who controls an artifact or enchantment makes a 2-2 green boar creature token and then destroys all artifacts and enchantments. That could be absolutely backbreaking. Yeah. Except, yeah, it's nice that this time green doesn't, like usually in these artifact sets, green is like, well, I blow up artifacts, but green gets to play around with the fun too, you know? <laughs> For sure. All right, that takes us on to mana sinks, which are repeatable places to put mana. There's a lot of places to put mana, I think. Not necessarily repeated, but prototype is a really good place to put your mana. Unearth, again, not repeated unless you're going deep with meticulous excavation, but a good mana sink. But the thing I'm most excited about that I really want to highlight is I think there are a lot of cards that are engines in the format that are going to be places to assemble like repeated advantage through the use of a lot of mana that you can make once you get two or three power stones. Yeah, I think this has real Kaladesh slash Kaladesh remastered vibes to me of this with these engines and engines. You mean like assembling cards that are repeatable places to put mana. It's the Ethan Sachs thing, repeatable places to put mana, lots of work to get minimal value, you know, and I think that's uh, that's what I'm up for. But if you live like if you just don't die Once you get your engine online, even if you're doing a lot of work, like the fact that you always get to do it means you're going to win the game. I agree. So we got a few of these we want to shout out. Some of these we've already talked about. One of these is just, oh my gosh, this is my pet card. I've already been tagged multiple times on Twitter about this. This is Keeper of the Cadence, four and a blue for a two five human wizard at Uncommon. You can pay three to put target artifact, instant or sorcery card from a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's library. So not only... Can you just, you know, bin your opponent's unearth creatures, but you get to loop your library. Yeah, this card seems nutter butters. I wish it weren't a creature because like the best home for this, right, is there's a lot of turbo mill cards in black and green. And then like a lot of rebuy things out of your graveyards, you're going to be able to reliably find your keeper as well. I I do think that's going to be a deck where you turbo self mill, have some keepers, and then you can constantly not deck and put your best cards like back into your library. It's just dangerous. It just feels very similar to Spider Spawning from Innistrad, where that was a green blue deck, but you always splashed black for the flashback on Spider Spawning. I agree completely. I think this is going to be, you know, you're going to play green black splash blue for this. Yeah. So very excited about that. We've talked about Clay Revenant. That's the one mana one two that ETB's tapped. You can pay two in a black, return it from your graveyard to your hand. But I think that's a great thing again to do with mana from Power Stones and a way to get a repeated advantage. And then we've got Slagstone Refinery. This is four mana for an artifact. And whenever it or another non-token artifact you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield or is put into exile from the battlefield, create a tapped Power Stone token. And the last one here is Symmetry Matrix, which seems sweet. Four mana for an artifact. Whenever a creature with power equal to its toughness enters the battlefield under your control, you can pay one. And if you do, draw a card. Yeah, that seems awesome because one of the problems with Power Stones might be running out of action. Like you've accrued all these Power Stones. You've got four Power Stones on the battlefield, but you need cards. Symmetry Matrix is going to help solve that cards problem in a big way. And then past these engine cards, there's just a handful of creatures that are all very good and have very clear mana sinks that are designed, I would assume, to be able to put mana from Power Stones into. Last thing we're going to take a look at here before we get to the grades is Flying and Flying Hate. Usual fare here, 13 cards with flying, mostly in Esper, so that's white, blue, and black. Four cards that grant flying, 
nothing super out of the ordinary here. And in terms of flying hate, we have five creatures with reach. Some are very good, some with surprise reach, perhaps. And we've got a removal spell for flyers that shoot down three and a green for a sorcery, exile, target, artifact, enchantment, or creature with flying. Yeah, and then there's also Gaia's Gift that we talked about last week. 1G instant, put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control. It gains reach, trample, hexproof, and indestructible until EOT. That's generally going to be much sketchier. You don't want to use combat tricks on defense unless you absolutely have to. All right, sweet. That's going to take us to a quick ad break, and then we'll be back with the grading scale and our card differences. Today's podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Say goodbye to those trips to the grocery store and say hello to home cooking made easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Busy days and late nights call for more flexibility. That's why HelloFresh has plans that work with your schedule and make it easy to change your preferences, delivery day, and address in just a few clicks. With over 35 weekly recipes, there's something to please everyone, and everything is easily customizable. You can swap out proteins, make something vegetarian, or change a starchy side to a delicious green veggie. Honestly, the biggest testimony we can give to HelloFresh is the fact that I cook some meals. (laughs) I have been living in the apartment that I live in for over a year now, and the first time I turned my stove on was to cook a meal with HelloFresh. Yes, I set off my smoke detector. No, I didn't burn down my apartment, but I did make some delicious salmon in about 45 minutes, and I am not comfortable cooking. Like, cooking noob. I am bronze four, bronze five, (laughs) whatever, whatever that cooking equivalent is. That is me. And I had a good time doing it. So if you're curious about HelloFresh and you're interested in trying to start to cook, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LOL65 and use code LOL65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's 65% off plus free shipping if you use code LOL65 at HelloFresh.com slash LOL65 and see why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And now back to the show. All right, that's going to take us on to the grading scale. So here we use the gold standard of grading scales. We don't use stars, Ben. We use (laughs) limited resources A through F grading scale. So that's going to start us off with A's being bombs, game winners, good in many situations, especially when behind. These are the best cards in the set, the bomb rares and hyper efficient spells. So examples are Wingmantle Chaplain, Sphinx of Clear Skies, Shouldred the Apocalypse, and Herd Migration. Bees, strong cards that pull you into color or make you want to play that color. Reasons to be in a particular color or combination of colors. The best commons and good uncommons. Cards like Night of Dawn's Light, Talarian Terror, Micromancer, Weather Seed Treaty, or Lightning Strike. Your C's are solid playables, the meat and potatoes of a limited deck, very interchangeable, role player creatures, normal removal spells. Flowstone Infusion, Banalish Sleeper, Impulse, and Shadow Prophecy. Your Ds are your sometimes playable below average 22nd, 23rd type cards. Things like Coalition Warbrute, Deathbloom Gardener, Shalai's Acolyte, and Impede Momentum. I think mostly the other thing we should probably add there is cards that you're unhappy if they make your deck. That was really what I was trying to keep in mind when I was grading. You're unhappy if they're in your deck. I think that's fair. Yeah, I like that. And did you do this on purpose that you wanted me to read the Fs as you listed them here? The Fs are your unplayables, cards you should never put in your deck, weird rares. Somehow... Yosha declares war is on this list as an example. I don't know. I don't know who put that there. Other cards you might think of as F's are Urza assembles the Titans and the phasing of Zalfir. 
Sideboard cards. Cards that don't make the main deck, but when you board them in, can be quite good. Things like Smash to Dust or Broken Wings. And we've got a couple augmentation grades. One is Build Arounds. So these are cards that don't do much on their own, but when you build around them, can be good to great. Things like Joda's Codex, Talarian Terror, Monstrous Warleech, and Haughty Jin. We also got Synergy cards, which are cards that are not good enough to build around, but provide good synergy if they're in the right deck. Things like Bone Splinters, Gitu Amplifier, or Shield Wall Sentinel. Yeah, and I honestly, there's, I, I want to make a push at some point, but it feels like it's too many to do a Diminishing Returns grade. Because I feel like th- that's how I graded some of these cards. Like Gaia's Gift, I'm like, the first copy feels like a C to me. But like, as you get more, they're going to get worse. Um, but maybe that's too many. But that was in my head again this time around, grading the cards. So that's going to bring us on to our card differences. So we'll look at all the highlighted cards here in our spreadsheet. And those are the cards where we have a gradation difference of at least two or more. And I should note that we've ordered these. You might be looking at these as like, oh, these are super weird. Why are they ordered this way? They're ordered in our spreadsheet by mana value rather than alphabetical. Because I think that gives you a good sense of like the curve of the cards. So first up here, we're going to look at Lauren's Escape. Single white for an instant. Target artifact or creature gains hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Scry one. I gave this a D plus. You gave this a C. Yeah, I think this card's quite efficient. One mana to save your creature from a removal spell or potentially win a combat if your creatures are evenly matched. Plus the scry one bonus. I think all adds up to a fine combat trick that you're going to be playing in white. I think you're right. Like, I I feel like, so this is basically God's Willing from Theros, which was very good, but very good, especially because you were doing this sort of like, you know, building up a creature with a bunch of auras style decks a lot of the time. And then I felt like we saw a variant of this later on. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good, just like God's Willing, which is busted. And then it wasn't. And so then I sort of downgraded this. But you're, I mean, everything you're saying sounds right to me. Well, especially there's going to be some large monsters you're presumably yeah. going to want to protect. I, I don't know. I'm in for this card. All right, I'll, I'll come up to C. This would be, this would again be a diminishing returns grade for me. First is a C, then the next one gets worse and worse. For sure. Next up, we've got Ambush Paratrooper. This is one and a white for a one, two with flash and flying. Has the activated ability pay five. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. You gave us a D. I gave us a C plus. Steadfast Unicorn, baby. Case closed. Yeah. So first of all, you love these effects no matter what. Second of all, if Steadfast Unicorn taught us anything, it was that four mana was a lot less than five mana and that Vigilance really mattered, neither of which this card grants. Power Stones, baby. It's going to cost like essentially less than four with Power Stones, no? Good luck. I th- I, that's what I have to say to you about Ambush Power Trooper. Good luck. Whoa. Again, like, like your, the power, your Power Stones have to be doing more than this, I think. Otherwise, you've just like, I feel like you've spent too much time like setting up your mana to just be like, aha, everything gets plus one, plus one. I don't know. I'm not saying this is like, Maybe I could come up to D plus. Maybe I could even see coming up to C minus in terms of this is a role player in some kinds of decks. But I just every part of this card reads as overcosted to me. Yeah, I think that is kind of true. But you're going to want to have soldier tokens in white aggressive decks. I don't know. I'm trying to see how you're going to be aggressive in the format. And this seems like one of the ways you're going to be aggressive to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. Next up, we've got Phalanx Vanguard. This is one and a white for a 2-2 human soldier with vigilance. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus one, plus O until end of turn. I gave this a C, you gave this a D. My take on this, or my my sell on this card, was that this reminded me of the two drop from Strixhaven that had Magecraft plus one, plus O at common. And that was like a nice little, you know, aggressive role player, I thought. Yeah. 
I'm probably too low on this. It's got vigilance also. Yeah, I thought I think this is is above replacement. I mean, maybe, maybe C is too high. Maybe it's a C minus. But like, I think this is a, a a pretty decent two drop. Yeah, I'll join you at C minus. I'll, I'll go up to C minus for sure. Okay, cool. Next up, we've got Union of the Third Path. God, I love this card. Why? I, I know it's not good. <laughs> I cannot explain my attraction to this card. <laughs> I do love it, though. You know, sometimes you just see something and it clicks. Uh, this is two to white for an instant. Draw a card. Then you gain life equal to the number of cards in your hand. You give us a D minus. I gave us a C minus. I know this card is bad. I'm not winning this argument. I just like this card like if this were black or blue in the draw two archetype i could at least see giving it a synergy c minus or something but like i just don't know what this card is doing in the format you don't want to splash it in your blue black draw cards deck i do not (laughs) i just i just want to draft control decks and draw cards and make power stones and then stabilize with union of the third path that's my dream and i am i'm certain i'm gonna try it and i know this card is not very good but i'm inexplicably attracted to this card what can i say i respect the awareness next up we've got Warlord's Elite. This is two and a white for a 4-4 human soldier. As an additional cost to cast this spell, tap two untapped artifacts, creatures, and or lands you control. You give this a D. I gave this a Synergy C. So again, this was a similar thing, I think, as you were trying to think about like how can you be aggressive in the format. I was thinking about this kind of like a build around common from DMU. Like, is there a world where this is your deck's plan? Where like you're getting one ones i don't think you don't want to be tapping power stones i don't think but maybe you're also tapping power stones and then you know just like pooping out a bunch of these for cheap yeah i could see it i mean if you go one drop two drop warlords elite like that's a huge start right yeah yeah but then you're gonna have to be playing a lot of one drops and if this isn't coming down on turn three i'm significantly less excited about it right then all of a sudden it's much closer to maybe a four mana four four that makes you take your turn off of attacking and then mm. once you're getting into it costing five like it's just a bad card right right once you're getting if it costs five it's bad i totally agree so i'm only interested in it costing three and trying to like cheat on that i was wondering if there's a world where like you see it in your opening pack you see it pick six you take that the other one wheels it's sort of like a catch them all and then there's enough fodder in the format where it's easy to have enough one mana and two mana things to fuel these. Now you're the tension you're talking about of like you're an aggressive deck, you're building out your board, you're not trying you don't then want to take turn three off from attacking to cast this. So maybe it's just bad. Maybe you're right that it's just a D. But I, I was just trying to think of like maybe this is a deck, you know? I hear what you're saying and I can picture all that. My gut says it is just bad. And yeah, like think about our and Phalanx. Like that ended up being fine. fine. And that was a much better card than this, I think. Yeah, much more supported too, for sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, I I think Synergy C is probably too hopeful. All right, moving on to Blue. We've only got one common (laughs) here to discuss, and it is a good one. (laughs) This is just going to be, I like it. You're like, and I like it even more. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Stern Lesson, two and a blue for an instant. Draw two cards, then discard a card. Create a tapped Power Stone token. You give us a C plus, I give us a B. Yeah, I mean, I have this as the best blue common. Yeah, I just think this is incredibly good. We talked about it last week on the show. I'm very jazzed about Power Stones. There's limited ways to make them. I think you're going to be picking this as the best blue common, and I think it is going to be doing B levels of work in that deck. One of the other things I'm really excited about for blue is that it looks like it can operate at instant speed, which just makes this card even better. Well, and something that I think Ari Lax was the one who tweeted about this card, like, and why it was so busted, that it's basically draw three, discard one, 
except one of the things you're drawing is a power stone that you don't have to cast. And that being three mana and instant and common is quite a lot of value. Quite a lot. That's a B. Yeah, I think you're right. That's going to take us to the uncommons. First up is Take Flight. This is three and a blue for an aura. Enchanted creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one plus O and has flying. And whenever this creature attacks, draw a card. I gave this a C plus. You gave this a C minus. I mean, like, I know it's four mana. I know it's an aura. And so there's some restrictions there. But the fact that this doesn't have to even connect, like it makes an evasive threat. It doesn't have to connect to recoup the card. If you find that window of cast it, it sticks, attack, either you're, I guess, trading with something or, but in theory, you've just created this must deal with threat that's going to run away with the game. Yeah, I'm going to join you also. I think you're right, but I think this card, I didn't really realize it until after I was done with all the grades, but this is a blue black gold card, right? This is perfect in the blue black aggro deck because you stick this, you attack, you trigger all your draw two things, you jump something in the air. Like the game is probably over if you stick this in blue black. So yeah, I like it. Sweet. All right, moving on to black. We've got some commons here to discuss. First up is Kill Zone Acrobat. This is two to black for a 3-2. When it attacks, you may sacrifice another creature or artifact. If you do, Kill Zone Acrobat gains flying until end of turn. I mean, I don't love this card. I gave it a C minus. You gave it a D. Uh, I was just thinking that it would be a role player in red black more than it would be filler because it is free and and evasive. I mean, a three mana, three, two flying on attacks. I know it's not going to happen every turn, but I think this is sort of the difference is that you've already calibrated your mind to like looking at anything that costs basically two colorless or less as being free via power stones. And I haven't quite calibrated to that yet because I one, I think just I haven't haven't made that leap. And two, I don't know how likely that's going to be. But so looking at a lot of the sack outlets in the format, you know, if we're thinking about red black being a steel and sack deck in some way that uh, the way that you can sack for free is acrobat. I'm sold. I missed that this was a free sacrifice outlet. I'm joining you at C minus. Next up is trench stalker four and a black for a four five. As long as you've drawn two or more cards this turn, trench stalker has death touch and lifelink. I gave this a Synergy C, you gave this a D. I mean, maybe this is a bad comparison, but there's just the five mana four five in, was it Guilds of Ravnica, I think? Um, that was just like keyword large. Now we're definitely gonna have keyword larger in this right. format. So five mana four five will not be king, but I do think it's still a pretty good rate. And Death Touch Lifelink, like that's a big swing. And I think black decks, or maybe this is just a blue black card, But I mean, like I said, it's a Synergy C, but I think in decks that can do that at least some amount of the time, it only takes once, right? I think only activating this once when you attack, that's really big. Like you're definitely either trading with something large, it's being chumped and you're gaining four. So here's my thought. Yeah, yeah. I've tried to recalibrate to, am I happy with this in my deck? Like this seems like filler to me in blue black. Like if you've really got a good streamlined blue black draw two deck, which is ostensibly this card's home. You probably can do better. You can do better. Like I think your plan is to be a tempo aggro deck, not like turn on your trench stalker on turn seven and try to two for one your opponent. That way. Yeah, the, the blue black deck looks more aggressive to me. And I also think like these cards that cost five and six, but are like middling power and toughness just seem like they're in no man's land to me. Like you either want to be going underneath the people that are going Voltron or you want to be going Voltron. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll join you at D plus. I think that's uh, that's fair. Next up, we've got Goring Warplow. You give us a D plus. I give us a C plus. 
So this is six mana for a 5-4 with Death Touch, and it's got prototype for one and a black to be a 1-1 Death Touch. Oh, and we should mention at at this point, we're sort of deep into it, but we've put everything that has a colored mana cost in it. Even though Goring Warplow is an artifact and it's colorless, but it has a black prototype cost. So we've put all of those cards, if their unearth cost has a color, we put that in the category of that color here. Yes, for sure. I mean, neither of these cards are good. Six mana, five, four death touch is not very good. And two mana, one, one death touch is not very good. I don't know what you see in this card. I like this card a lot. I mean, obviously I gave it a C plus. So I think the one, one death touch seems good because there's going to be a lot of giant monsters running around. So I think that's going to block well against like your opponent's random clunky, you know, large mechs. And then I think you're going to need artifacts of some amount to cast with your power stones. Like, I think things kind of just get a bump for being an artifact. And I this is one of the few where I'm very happy with both sides of the card, I think. Yeah, I, I'm currently not. You could be right about the, like, because two mana for a 1-1 death touch is more than we usually pay for that effect, right? Usually that's one mana. And that is a difference. I, I don't know. I'm not sold that either of these. I think it's fine, but I, I think to give you the same argument about Trench Stalker, am I happy with this in my deck at the end of a draft? No. Is it? Am I embarrassed that it's in my deck? No. But it, is it a card that I would rather upgrade? I think almost always yes. But isn't this closer? I mean, it's not quite the same comparison, but isn't this closer to Soraform Hybrid than like a bad, cheap Death Touch creature? Like that's a deep cut. That's a 2-2 that could evolve into a 6-6. But I think the... I think you're underrating the modality on this a little bit. The comparison to Storeform Hybrid isn't fair because you got to play that as a bear. It's a terrible comparison. Yeah, like, (laughs) so I don't, I think this, the modality, yes, it bumps it up, but when I'm not happy with either thing, maybe that's the thing is like, if I could see it, if I'm happy with a two mana one one death touch, this card is great, but I currently don't think I'm happy with either of these for, for their rate. That's fair. So reframing it as like a 1-1 death touch with kicker four to turn into a 5-4 death touch, that doesn't do anything for you? No. I I understand that that's literally what the card is. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) I do know how to read the magic card. I appreciate it, though. No, Um, I was just trying to help you out. (laughs) I appreciate it. Moving on to the uncommons, I am surprised to see you not like this card. Gruesome Realization, one black black for the sorcery. Choose one, you draw two cards and you lose two life, or creatures your opponent's control will get minus one, minus one until end of turn. I gave this a C plus, you gave this a C minus. Isn't this just like every like non-aggressive black deck wants this? Even aggressive black decks probably want this. Yeah, this card's fine. I don't feel any particular way about it. I could give it a C plus. I could give it a C. I just am not. I'm not particularly inspired by it. I think these are two very excellent modes. Like the the downside of the reason you don't want to main deck these minus one minus one effects is like for the times that are not good. So for the times that are not good, this just becomes bad divination for you. And that's, I think, a very good effect. And I think certainly control decks are going to be happy to have this as, okay, I don't want to die to aggro. Great. I have a mode that does that. And I want two for ones. Great. This does that. Yeah, you're right. That's C plus. I'll join you. All right. That takes us on to red commons. We've got a couple to discuss here. First up is a good boy. Scrapwork Mutt. Two mana for the two one when it etbs you may discard a card if you do draw a card and it's got unearth for one and a red you give us a c minus i give us a c plus this card seems fine to me i mean red seems atrocious i know i was gonna gonna say spoiler this is a c minus and this is my second red common wow i just like i was like i don't i saw this i was like this is not good but red's commons are not good Yeah, Red's commons are are really not good. I mean, again, I I think the things that are artifacts get a bump up Mm -hmm. for being artifacts a little bit for me. I think all told that adds up. I I mean, I don't don't feel passionately about C+. I could join you on C, but I think 
like of Red's commons, this looks like one of the ones that is playable. Yeah, I think that's true. But like, and it's just like such a <laughs> such low bar for Red's cards here. But yeah, I, maybe I could bump up to C. I probably should bump up to C, given this is my second highest Red common. But yeah, I'm just really not happy with this. This is seems like in a, a lot of other environments, this could just be filler. Yes. I think we're going to have the same argument we had about the black prototype creature here with Blitz Automaton, seven mana for a six, four with haste, or you can pay its prototype cost for two and a red for a three, two with haste. Yeah, you give us a D plus, I gave us a C. I mean, this is the same discussion for me. I think the fact that this is an artifact and the fact that it's modal makes this like it's really hard for this to be anything less than a C to me. This is the same argument for me is like I three mana three two I don't really care about and seven mana six four haste I don't really care about. So if you're not excited about these cards, mm-hmm. what artifacts are you planning to play with power stones? Uh the ten ten with reach and trample. <laughs> sure. So you're just gonna be green. Final answer. But I don't have to be green because I that's colorless. Right. Yeah. Um I don't know. I like and again, maybe I'm wrong, but th- these are these cards, neither of these cards are cards you would be excited about on their own. So is the modality really that big of a deal? I think the modality plus them being artifacts, I'm expecting to end up with these cards in my deck. Okay. And being happy about them. Because I could see the latter being true of like, well, I didn't, I you know, only got one of the 10 tens. Like I just really need some more thing. I got a bunch of ways to make power stones and I just need things that abuse those. And so, hey, I'm going to have to do this. But honestly, I'd feel like I'd rather just have like, I don't know, the blue two, three that you can dump seven mana into to draw to or something. Like, I don't know if this is doing it for me. I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. Let's see. I'd be I'd be interested to see where we land on that discussion two weeks from now. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to the uncommons. We've got Mishra's research desk. This is one mana for an artifact. You can pay one tap, sacrifice it, exile the top two cards of your library, choose one of them until the end of your next turn. You may play that card and it's got unearth for one and a red. You give us a C minus. I gave us a D mostly because I was tired of reading for what seemed to not be a good effect. (laughs) It's experimental synthesizer. I didn't honestly, honestly, I missed the until the end of your next turn when I read this, which makes it because I guess I was also tired of reading, but which makes this card way better. um, Because I was thinking like, man, you really have to have your mana curve low for the unearth. So you're paying like two to bring it back, then one to tap sack it. So you have to have how much mana are you going to have left over to be able to activate this? But I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just bad, but this is cheap enough. Uh, the unearth makes it good. So like you don't have to, you know, upfront, you don't have to sacrifice it to itself. Maybe you sacrifice it to one of your other things in red, black. Maybe it's more of a synergy card, but I, I think this is above replacement to me. Yeah. All right. You're, you're right. You sold me. Uh, I, this is probably better than a C minus then too, right? I, I like, think so. You're, I think you're playing this in every deck that has artifact synergies and you're pretty happy about it, right? That's what I think. I think this is just like a C, maybe it's even like synergy C plus. Yeah. I'm kind of in for synergy C plus. I stopped reading too soon. <laughs> Next up, we got Pyrrhic or Pyrrhic Blast, three and a red for an instant as an additional cost to cast the spell, sack a creature. Pyrrhic Blast deals damage equal to the sacrificed creature's power to any target, draw a card. I gave this a B minus, you gave this a C. Am I'm, I I'm guessing you knocked this for it being four mana? I guess, yeah. I don't know, this just seems like, the fact that you can respond to removal with this is good, even though four mana is a lot to hold up. Dale's damage equal to the sacked things to any target, so it can go face with big monsters, it replaces itself with draw a card. Maybe maybe there's just going to be too much to do with four mana, but I, I don't know. This seems very powerful to me. It seems kind of clunky to me. Like hmm. You're either doing one of two things, right? The scenario described where you're holding up four mana and blanking an opponent's removal spell, or you're winning the game with it, I guess, or you have like 
active treason plus this, but that's a lot of mana. Yeah, yeah, that's a ton of mana. I don't think that's that seems like fairy tale land there, especially because we had that built into one card in the last set, right? The active treason had kicker where you could do all that in one, and I just don't think that that that's going to be that good. Ultimately, that seems pretty narrow to me. Like I can't imagine holding up four mana, hoping my opponent is going to play a removal spell, and then like lava axe draw a card. Like the game's over once you lava axe your opponent. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'm too high on it. I can I can go down to C plus C. I'm not coming down on this next card, though. We've got Heavyweight Demolisher, seven mana for an 8-6 construct with Menace. At the beginning of your upkeep, tap Heavyweight Demolisher unless you pay three, and it has Unearth for six red red. I gave this a C plus. You gave this a D plus. This is what I'm doing with my Power Stones, baby. This card is large and in charge. Large and in charge. Like you, like a lot. The problem with a lot of the Unearth creatures is they can be ignored when you unearth them. Right, they're either very small, can be chumped if they're very big. This having menace means it can't be chumped. This having eight power is huge. This being castable with power stone tokens means that like this could maybe you know if we're thinking about an average of two power stones or whatever, a five mana eight six menace, and then you use those power stones to pay for the upkeep cost. I don't know. I'm I, maybe I'm too high on this card, but this seems like a boss. It's funny to me that I graded this lower than Blitz Automaton, and like, you're so excited about this and so low on. Blitz Automaton. I mean, that one's much larger, but it holds down three of your mana. So like if you're ramping it out with Power Stones, you're basically in on this until yeah. it gets answered, which is fine. That's very good. It's going to kill your opponent quickly. Yes, Right. Like that's why this is, it's like, yeah, sure. This locks down my Power Stones, but this is going to kill you very quickly. Yeah. This is probably at least as good as Blitz Automaton. I think the thing I like about Blitz Automaton is in case of emergency, I can play it as a three mana three two. Like I'm worried about building decks that are ramp and what look like kind of mediocre finishers to me. Like, you know, in cube, like you build mono green ramp and you do the thing where you draw all your elves and no threats. Yeah. So you draw all threats and no elves. And like those finishers in green cube decks are much better than these giant artifact constructs. So I'm a, I'm a little nervous about the ones that are expensive with no uh, prototype, I think, which is why I graded this low. But I I agree, this is going to clock your opponent. I'm probably a little too low. Okay. All right, moving on to green. No commons to discuss. We've got uncommons. You just have a soft spot for this because it was your preview card. So we've got Alloy Animist. This is green for a 1-1, 2G until end of turn. Target non-artifact creature you control becomes a 4-4 artifact creature. If you've not seen Ethan's preview video for this, (laughs) it is... 10 out of 10 banger status. So good. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've had a longer time than anyone else to look at this card and (laughs) think about it. To gaze longingly at it. But, like, this is worse than, but akin to, I forget the name of it, but from Kaldheim, the blue 1-3 that could turn your Snowlands into 4-4s. Now, it gave those 4-4s Haste and Hexproof for 3 mana. So, Haste and Hexproof matter a lot there. But... Even so, even without that, I do think this is a real build around. Like I think being able to turn certainly power stones into four fours, you know, you can use your power stone mana to activate this. So potentially it's cheaper, you know, turn your whatever your cantripping things. I forget the the name of it, but the prophetic prism variant into a four four. I think this is real. I mean, build around B might be too high, but synergy D synergy D is effectively calling it an F. And I think this card is much better than that. Yeah, you're right. I'm wrong. I'll go build around B minus. This card is good. Okay. Wow. All right. That's going to take us to the artifacts. We got a couple to talk about. First up is Tower Worker. This is three mana for a 1 3 assembly worker with reach. You can tap it to add colorless. 
But if you control creatures named Mine Worker and Power Plant Worker, you can add three colorless instead. So there's this whole cycle, you know, as a throwback to the Urzotron lands. There's Tower Worker, there's Power Plant Worker, and there's Mine Worker. And if you control all three, they each do what they do, but better. Yeah, I think this is the most playable of them on its own face because it's like a reasonable body. Plus, it's going to ramp you towards your big things. I don't know how often you're going to be playing these. Like the tower worker and the mine worker are excusable, but I can't. I just very hard for me to imagine putting three copies of each of these in my deck. I know, right? Hoping like, to go off. Yeah, it seems like a. I'm just bored in week six, and I'm going to build the assembly worker deck or whatever. I, yeah, I'm with you, and I can kind of see this. This was this is the best of the three, I suppose. But this just seems like a bad like you're just making power stones that do effectively this. I know you can use this mana for non artifact spells, but I'm just still not that into it. Yeah, so you gave this a synergy D plus. I gave it a C minus. I agree. You're probably right. Like I just I think it is interesting to talk about the cycle, but I think ultimately these are going to flop in limited. I agree. All right, last card here. We've got Levitating Statues. This is two mana for an artifact at uncommon flying. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Levitating Statue. You can pay two mana to turn it into a one one until end of turn. Yeah, I gave this a D plus. You gave this a build around B minus. Talk to me about this. Yeah, that's probably a little high. I mean, I would love this card if there weren't so much artifact destruction running around. Like I just Mm. imagine people are going to be playing disenchant which means this is significantly worse because one of the things this does really well is dodge sorcery speed removal so i think an evasive flyer like this that you can build up is pretty good but mm-hmm. I, I don't know I, this seems like a payoff for blue red to me yeah yeah maybe maybe i think about it more in the context of blue red specifically i can't get down with it for sure okay i'll join you at like build around c c plus yeah it might not even be a b minus maybe it's like you know you're drafting blue red and then you're going to play the levitating statues you get that type of thing yeah i could see it all right that takes us on to the best segment of the crash course which is everybody's top comments and i have not looked at yours yet shockingly usually you do this before so i get the immediate gratification of looking at yours right after i do mine haven't seen yours yet yeah i pull i pulled a ben warning i did mine about 20 minutes before we recorded the show this morning so uh so yeah sorry about (laughs) that (laughs) feel bad (laughs) all right why don't you uh why don't you run through your top three and then i'll give you mine okay from number one down my number one white top common is airlift chaplain says tuna white for a one one flyer when it etbs you mill three you can put a planes or a creature card with mana value three or less from among the cards milled into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one plus one counter on airlift chaplain. So I think this is a good spot to just talk about this cycle because you seemed higher on this. Every color gets a card like this um, where you look at the top three or reveal the top three. You can pick one card that fits you know, the restrictions of the card from them, put it into your hand. If you don't do that, you at least get to buff the creature a little bit. And you seem higher on this cycle than I am. I love this cycle. They're essentially all two for ones that are also modal, right? Like you get a better creature if you don't need the card advantage. So like late in the game, this can be a Windrake instead of a 1-1 flyer, find a planes, or you can get back your mana value three or less rare. I just think it's a lot of options on a card. So like on average, is this better or worse than Skyscanner, which is or or Pilgrim's Eye, I guess, like which is three mana, one, one flyer and either just draw a card or find a basic land. I think this is better or or close to better. I mean, it doesn't enable splashing, but everything else about it is much better. It doesn't enable splashing. You can miss like three isn't that many where you can miss on the thing that you want, which is the real awkward part about these cards to me is that like if you 
if you want a land and not a 2-2, you might miss on the land. Or I guess you if you miss on the land, then you at least get to probably draw a card from this, like a three mana value thing or less. I guess the, the chaplain is probably the best of the cycle is my guess. Maybe the green one too is good that finds a land, but like, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking that like, I guess in some spots it's better, but then in some spots it's definitely worse. This is it's a hard card for me to evaluate. I mean, putting the cards in your yard is also upside, right? You have a chance to mill unearth things. Yeah, that's I true. Just think everything about this card seems good to me. Yeah. Okay. It's, it did not make, I, I think none of these question mark, None of the cycle made my top common. So I wanted to talk about it here with Chaplin. Whoa, yeah, I, I liked I was very hard for me to keep all of those outside of their top commons. But mm-hmm. I, I agree, I'm probably a little too high on them because you are mostly you are sad if you whiff on the mill, right? You're sad if you whiff on the mill. And I think you're sad. I think you're sad if it's not a good two for one. Like I think all of them as just whatever the green is a two mana two two or the white one is three mana two two flyer. I think mostly you're sad if it's not a two for one. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm, I'm probably a little too high on them. That was a good conversation. Yeah. All right. My number two power stone engineer is the one in a white for the two one. And when it dies, you make a tapped power stone token. Nice. And a number three, a classic. I've got a disenchant one in a white for the instant destroy target artifact or enchantment. All right. My top three, I've got power stone engineer in the number one spot. That's the two Ooh. one that dies into a power stone. I've got prison sentence in the number two. That's two in a white for the aura enchant creature. When prison sentence enters the battlefield, scry two and enchanted creature can't attack block and its activated abilities can't be activated. And in my number three, I've got Scrapwork Cohort. Four mana for a 3-1. When it ETBs, you make a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token, and it's got Unearth for two and a white. I like yours better than mine. I mean, I think Disenchant's going to be an interesting one. So that was my hot take, was that Disenchant is going to be better than the pacifism. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting, I think, to see how that plays out. Hard to know without playing with the cards. Well, especially because a lot of the things, like a lot of the things you really are going to need to take care of are probably artifacts. Yes. Right? So disenchant gets a bump there, I think. So I, I agree. It's going to be interesting. And then I really wanted to put Scrapwork Cohort in mind, but I liked the Airlift Chaplain too much. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like a little less jazzed about the Airlift Chaplain after <laughs> talking about it with you. So I kind of wish I'd put Scrapwork Cohort in there. Because I think one of the things that's cool about Scrapwork Cohort too is I don't think that's a white common. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of decks that are interested in that. Like, if you're a deck that's making power stones, and then you've got the energy refractor to filter your mana. Exactly. Like, you're just, you're just always playing Scrapwork Cohort. Right. I think they're, I think Red Black is going to like this card a lot. Yeah. So, I'm kind of sad that I don't have Scrapwork Cohort in mind. It's all right. Well, we forgive you. <laughs> all right. Moving on to White's top uncommons. In the top slot, I've got Combat Thresher. This is seven mana for a 3-3 double strike. When it ETBs, you draw a card. And then it's got Prototype for two and a white. When it ETBs, you draw a card and get a 1-1 double strike. I love that card. Yeah. And then number two, I put Lauren, Disciple of History. This is three and a white for a 3-3. Whenever it or another legendary creature enters the battlefield under your control, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. That is also my number two. And then in the number one spot, I have Static Net. Three and a white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls until Static Net leaves the battlefield. And when Static Net ETBs, you gain two life and you create a tapped Power Stone token. Yeah, that card is absurd. That was one of the, I just didn't know. All three of these are busted. Yes, Hard to I, know what order they're going to go in. Exactly. There was a lot of like, 
when we get to black, I was like, any of black's cards could be in its top commons, basically. Black is so good. Black's busted, yeah. Uh, But we're not quite there yet. We'll talk about blue first. Uh, My top three commons are in order. Number one, Stern Lesson. That's the two in a blue instant. Draw two cards, then discard a card. Create a tapped Power Stone token. In the number two spot, I have Scatter Ray, one in a blue for an instant. Counter target artifact or creature spell unless its controller pays four. And in the numbers three spot, I have Coilless Rock, four and a blue for a three, three, Flash Flyer. And when it ETBs, you make a tapped Power Stone token. Yeah, I almost put that three, three, Flash Flyer in mine. I decided ultimately once that was hitting the battlefield, you weren't quite using the Power Stone as well. Yeah. That's, that's not necessarily even true. And I do love that that has Flash. I was just really worried about not having any removal <laughs> in <my> top <laughs> commons. So my number one and two are the same as yours. Uh, and then the number three, I've got Weak Stones Subjugation, mm, which yeah. is blue for the Enchanted Artifact or Creature. Um, when it ETBs, you can pay three. If you do, you tap the Enchanted Permanent, and the Enchanted Permanent doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. Yeah, that card seems sweet. Yeah, I do want to chat with you about Scatter Ray. Are you pretty confident that that's going to be good? I was, I felt like that was a little hot takey on my part. I mean, there are going to be very few things in the format that, like, it's basically just removal and tricks that aren't artifact or creatures like this is going to counter most important things. And the fact that unless it's controller pays for now, yes, you can use power stones to pay for this four. that's what worries me about it. But four is so much Four is a lot. Yes. So I, I don't know, I would say if you had to say like, on the scale of hot take to confident, I am much more in the confident camp right now. That's what I would say as well. I just wanted to chat with you about it. And I think one of the other benefits of it is once it is dead, assuming you're valuing stern lesson, you can pitch it to Stern Lesson later in the game. Right. Yeah, that's a nice a nice thing. And they play well together being both instants as well. Right. Uh, for the blue uncommons in the number one spot, I have Urza, Power Stone Prodigy, two in a blue for a 1-3 with Vigilance. Pay one, tap it to draw a card, then discard a card. Whenever you discard one or more artifact cards, you create a tapped Power Stone token. This ability triggers only once each turn. And then, this is how much I like this card. My number two is Involuntary Cooldown. Three and a blue for a sorcery. Tap up the two target artifacts and or creatures. Put two stun counters on each of them. That is shocking to me. I'm sorry for slandering your good name earlier in the podcast. I know. I think this card's great. Wait, how did you not put the stupid 2-5 that puts things on the bottom of their owner's library? Because I'm somewhat responsible (laughs) (laughs) in my podcasting. My number one is the same as yours. And in the number two slot, I've got Thopter Mechanic. One in a blue for the 2-1. When you draw your second card, you put a plus almost one counter on it. And when Thopter Mechanic dies, create a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. All right, I'm excited to see which black commons you decided were the best of the bunch. There's like seven that could qualify. I did. I put honor mention everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you think black is busted also. Yeah. In the number one slot, I've got Overwhelming Remorse. This is four and a black for an instant. Costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. Exile, target creature, or planeswalker. Nice. In the number two slot, I've got Gix's Caress. This is two and a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards it, and you make a tapped Power Stone token. And in the number three slot, I've got Emergency Weld. One and a black for a sorcery. Return target artifact or creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Make a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. No cheating, but I have the same three, not in the same order. So I have Emergency Weld, the the Grave Digger, Mini Grave Digger in number three. And then I have one and two swapped. So I have the removal spell number two and the discard spell make a power stone number one. Interesting. The, the discard make a power stone is the one I'm least confident in. I mean, that that's like, I think, my hot take for this uh, ranking, for this review. But Gix's Caress just seems so powerful to me. 
And overwhelming remorse is very good, but there is a lot of removal in black that like, if you don't get remorse, I think you can get other things that interact well. Whereas like Gix's caress, just being able to say like, ah, take that thing and I'm ramping towards my good stuff. Yeah, it's going to be good, I think. Yeah. All right, moving on to Black's top uncommons. I've got Transmogrant Altar as my number one Black common. This is three mana for the artifact. Black tap, sacrifice creature, add three colorless, or two tap, sack a creature, make a 3-3 zombie artifact creature token. Activate only as a sorcery. I am very surprised that you didn't like this card. It seems like a very Ethan card. I mean, think again, it's going to be a card that I will play way more than you. And you I, are. I disagree with that. I, I, genuine, I genuinely like Alter. I mean, you play more magic than me, so you probably will mm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not play saying. with it more than me, but this is not one where I'm, I, I'm, I plan to put my money where my mouth is okay. on Alter. Great. I'm like, I, look, it's, it is a very Ethan card. So if it's good, you can rest assured I will draft it appropriately. Yeah, so that's my number one. And my number two is the LR preview card, Gurgling Anointer. That's the two and a black, one, three with flying. And when you draw your second card each turn, it gets a counter. And then when it dies, you can return a creature with mana value less than its power from the graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah, I've got Gurgling Anointer in my number one spot. And in my number two spot, I have Go for the Throat. One and a black, instant, destroy target, non-artifact creature. That's very responsible. I'm a responsible guy. Moving on to red. Well, it's clear what the number one is. It's Excavation Explosion. Two in a red sorcery, deal three damage to any target, create a tapped Power Stone token. And then beyond that, it is Slim Pickens. My number two is Scrapwork Mutt. The two mana two one ETBs, you may discard a card if you do draw a card with Unearth for one in a red. And my number three, I have Sibling Rivalry. Three in a red sorcery, gain control of target artifact or creature until end of turn. Untap it, it gains haste until end of turn, create a tapped Power Stone token. Yeah, Excavation Explosion, my number one as well. I've got a different number two than you. Minus Penragon Strongbull, two and a red for the two, three. You can pay one, sacrifice an artifact to give it plus one, plus one until end of turn, and it deals one damage to each opponent. It's so funny because initially this was one of the cards that I graded this as a C plus. Then I saw your grade as a C minus, and I was like, uh, maybe I'm too high. I'll bring it down to C and we won't argue about it. But that is so funny to me that a C minus is your number two. <laughs> red common yeah i think my grade is too low on this just after thinking about it more i just think yeah. this card's quite good i mean notably it's in the same color as sibling rivalry and mm-hmm. it's going to be like a nice one-two punch to steal an artifact sack it to your pentagon strong bull but i also think like this does a very good lampad of death's vigil impression as well hmm. like because you don't normally care about the life gain on lampad so much i mean yes it is nice but generally like you're also just threatening to dome your opponent out from five or six so like cashing in all your power stones or your one one artifact tokens that are lying around into direct damage i just think pentagon strong bull looks actually excellent to me I, I really like that card. All right. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm sold. I'm into it. Uh, moving on to the uncommons. I think we're all lined up here. I have Horned Stoneseeker number one, one in a red for a 2-2 with Menace. When it ETBs, you make a tapped Power Stone token. And when it leaves the battlefield, you sacrifice a Power Stone. And number two, Obliterating Bolt, one in a red sorcery, deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. If that creature or planeswalker would die this turn, exile it instead. Yep. I'm exactly with you there. Moving on to Green's top commons. In the number one slot, I've got Argothian Opportunist. This is 2G for a 3-2. When it ETBs, you make a tapped Power Stone token. In the number two slot, I've got Blanchwood Prowler. This is one in a green for the 1-1. When it ETBs, you mill three. You can put a land card from among the cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one plus one counter on Blanchwood Prowler. Now I'm worried that this card isn't good. Is this card not good? I think it's fine. Like, it's a two-mana 1-1 one, one that finds a land. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, so I was really jazzed about Blanchwood Prowler, but now I'm kind of depressed about it. I'm not, I don't think it's bad. I just, like, I'm not sure how busted it is. 
Right. And then in the number three slot, I've got Boulder Branch Golem. That's the Honey Mammoth variant. Seven mana for a six, five, gain six, or four mana, three, three, gain three. Uh, my top three, number one, I've got the same one, Argothian Opportunist. My number two is Epic Confrontation, one in a green for a sorcery. Uh, target creature you control gets plus one, plus two until end of turn, and it fights target creature you don't control. And my number three is Rust Goliath, 10 mana for a 10, 10 reach trample with prototype three green, green for a three, five. I like yours better than mine again. <laughs> Kind of sad. I think I was too high on these cards that mill, maybe. I th- you've, you've talked me down on them. The green one might be better because green is a color that cares about self-mill, potentially, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I really wanted to put the 10 mana 1010 in my top three green. That that card's like color agnostic to me. I agree. Almost, I mean, like, means it's an even higher pick. Right. I just feel like that's the best. That's the best thing to do with your power stones. Now, I, how often are you going to get to do it? I don't know. And maybe it's not that good. Maybe you just do work, do all this work to stick it and your opponent goes, cool, disenchant. Right. It's it's definitely the biggest baddie though. Yeah, I agree. But I also agree. Epic Confrontation. One of the, I didn't put that in. So that's the fight spell. I didn't put Epic Confrontation in mine because I was worried that you weren't always going to have the biggest thing, right? Like so much of the time, the thing you're going to need to kill is your opponent's large mech. And if you don't have a large mech, that's not necessarily going to get the job done. Yeah, that's definitely true. But I, I agree. It's, it's, probably good it's interesting it's funny that the two that we were most different i was kind of sad about mine (laughs) Uh, and then moving on to the uncommons what do you have the number one slot i've got our preview card seren steel seeker that's one on a green for the one two when an artifact etbs you look at the top card if it's a land you can reveal it and put it in your hand if you don't put the card in your hand, you can put it into your graveyard. Yeah, I have the same one at number one. And at number two, I've got Bushwhack. Green for the either search up a basic or prey upon. Yeah, I think I probably should have that at number two. I have Obstinate Bayloth, two green green for a 4-4. Four, four. When it ETBs, you gain four life. If a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard it, you put it onto the battlefield instead. But I don't think that's going to come up in limited that often. I was just going for rate. I was worried a little bit about rating the bushwhack too highly, but it's very efficient. It's very efficient, and I think it's hard to find fixing, and I think that's good fixing. Yeah, I think that bumps it up as well. Whew. I think that I think that's it. Have we have we crashed the course? I think we have crashed the course. Any parting thoughts before we go here? Any hot takes? Any last things to get out in the world? Yeah, I have one word for our listeners. Power Stone. Power Stones, the format. That is my view of the format going in. I am going to try to do things with Power Stones until I am either proven that it is not good or people stop letting me draft them. And I think it is going to be people stop letting me draft them rather than Power Stones not being good. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. There's also a lot of uh, there's also a lot of buzz in the the Lords of Limited Discord about Mono Green Stompy. Ooh, fueled by fueled by. There's just a lot of green commons that are good that want to beat down. There's the good tricks. Then you get Blanchwood armor. Blanchwood armor. Gets, you laugh, but if you, if you make your creature huge, it's going to be hard to kill. I guess that's true. I did give Blanchwood armor an F, but maybe that's uh, that's too low. Do you think monocolor decks are going to be a thing? I don't really. I don't know. Like, yeah, there's that cycle of uncommons, but beyond that, I could see doing it for corrupt. That's the five and a black, like deal damage to anything equal to the number of... Uh, of swamps, but I don't know. It seems hard. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how all that's going to play out. But rest assured, I will be drafting Power Stones early and often to start the format. All right, great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to TCGplayer.com for sponsoring our podcast. If you're heading over there to sign up for a TCG Player subscription or to purchase anything, please head on over via our affiliate link at lordsoflimited.com slash TCGplayer. 
you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start by opening these things so I can just get this out of the way. Okay. Open. I mean, you know, it's two events. It's like the draft event thing. You open two sealed pools. It's so annoying. But you okay. say, yeah, you have to go like three o three o. All right. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Yeah. Yeah. That's not good. Not good. <laughs> no, on, not you gotta good. give us the play by play. We need some okay, audio here. So we have Kazarov. That's the seven mana four four flying black rare with the red activated ability. Deal two to a creature and then. When a creature's dealt damage, it gets a counter on it. Yeah, way too expensive. Tor- Speaking of expensive, Torgar, the eight mana, seven, six, you can sack a creature to reduce its cost by two. And then it like sets someone's life total to 10 when it comes into play. Died to that yesterday. Nice. Urza's Ruinous Blast. Also died to that yesterday. And <laughs> speaking of black, white legendaries, Primaval's Glorious Rebirth. <laughs> also died to that yesterday. Wow. All- different games? Different games. <laughs> impressive Nibon Dean of iteration and then Thran temporal gateway unplayable so that's pretty bad that is rough maybe you can do maybe what I can build my opponents did and yeah, build maybe I... sweet unbeatable black white legendary sealed pools maybe I can build black white garbage white looks deep black looks shallow cool all right I'm closing arena now goodbye that was despair you just heard listeners or a free Sunday a free, yeah basically it's a free Sunday and that means I have can spend the time that I need to do which is editing our show